So on to another Dahlia question, Josie. Can you split tubers when they've grown massive? And if so, how? This is from Kathy Gleasdell. Yes, you can certainly split your tubers. And if you're a cut flower grower, you probably grow from new tubers every year. So, but if, you know, if you're a home grower and you've got your tubers in the ground and it's got really huge, then uh, I would tend to leave it till spring. So dig the whole huge clump up. We dug, we dug some up, didn't we, a few years ago, and they filled a wheelbarrow. The one clump yes. filled a wheelbarrow. They were huge. Absolutely amazing. Yeah. So dig them out of the ground, and they you'll you'll see stems coming off different sections with tubers on them. So you you just tease those apart. You just so long as you've got an eye on the tuber, uh, which is a, a a bump at the top of the tuber then that'll grow into a stem and you'll get a new plant. So a huge clump could be divided into 20 plants possibly. And you can also, you can do it in autumn. Uh, a lot of the growers split their tubers in, you know, the clumps in autumn. Uh, so, but then you've obviously got to store them over winter. And if, if they're cut or uh, teased apart, you might damage them in that process. So if, you, if you're digging them up, any way to store I would then split them in spring when because they'll have dried out slightly and they'll be easier they'll come apart a bit more and you'll see people using saws and things when you get big clumps you can saw through the clumps as long as you've got that eye on the top of the tuber then you can cut it into however many pieces so yeah lots of free plants just to finish that one off I remember Rip City was one of the first dahlias that I ever grew here which I got from Monet's garden at Giovanni and I'd had a, a Rip City tuber planted as one, and I, I lifted it after seven years, and I divided it into 22 plants. <laughs> um, you know, it was just, as you say, it filled a barrow. It was absolutely extraordinary. But Rip City, you, you know, it's just probably worth saying is some daily varieties are really fantastic tuber formers, and some are less strong tuber formers. And that doesn't mean they're good or bad. It just means they behave in a different way. And on the whole, the container varieties, I mean, even something like Josie is not a massive, massive tuber former, or actually Sarah Raven, whereas um, some of the older hybrids, which are, were bred for cut flower, like Rip City, are real big. Yeah, we took uh, Karma Naomi out of our pots this, this autumn. And she makes huge tubers. So it's right. quite quite extraordinary. And cafe au lait, hardly anything. Yeah. So yeah, they're very different, each one. Good. Okay. So the next question is a really nice general one, which Josie and I thought we would do together, which is, I'm looking for a plant which gives me flowers all through spring. And then later on in the year, we'll do all through summer. So what is the longest flowering plant for spring? into summer. So Josie, why don't you maybe name two or three and then I'll have a think too. Okay. Well, I'll I'll go for perennials. And for me, starting off in May would be GM Totally Tangerine. I mean, a spectacular plant. Looks lovely with tulip ballerina early on. And then it'll keep going. We cut it back once it gets a bit tired mid-summer. And then it'll bounce back and it'll be flowering again in late summer. So definitely uh, the GM's lovely. And the other, oh, still on an orange theme, cap of uh, orange feathers, the perennial poppy. And it, that pops up everywhere here, doesn't it? But what what a performer. It'll, it, 
whatever t- whatever month you go out between spring and late autumn, it's flowering. So definitely a good one. Yeah. Well, I, funnily enough, the, a friend of mine has a garden in London and I gave her some Welsh poppy, Josie's Welsh, so she's very passionate about Welsh poppy. <laughs> so the, the Mechanopsis cambrica. And she deadheads her Welsh poppies and I think of them as a May-June thing, but she deadheads. And honestly, they literally flower from May until September, um, even October. Incredible. So Orange Feathers is just like that, isn't it? Yes, yeah. Yeah, they're two fabulous poppies. Yeah. So I, I'd like to add three others. Um, I mean, we're, we're not talking about the hardy annuals here, which cause things like the black scabious, scabiosa atropurpurea, black cat, flowers fabulously long from spring into summer, um, salva viridis blue, another absolute cracker, euphorbia oblongata, another complete cracker. But putting annuals aside, I wanted to just mention one shrub, which are the Euphorbia cracius, and we have one here called John Tomlinson. And the reason I love it is it has a presence all year because it's evergreen, but also it flowers from kind of mid-Feb here till mid-May, late May. And you've got to be jolly, jolly, jolly careful about picking them. But as a general border plant for our increasingly erratic climate, because it will take really severe climate change. So it'll take wet, but it'll also take drought. And that's why I love that plant. Uh, Very long performing. And I would add a clematis here. I am very set at the moment on a variety called Madame Julia Coraval. And we have it in the Oast Garden and it's just superb. It flowers from, I would say, the middle of June till the middle of August, um, absolutely covered in velvet crimson, sort of carmine crimson flowers. And we have them on rebar teepees that are about 12 foot high that, that we made here in situ. And it's just absolutely spectacular. So Madame Julia Corival Clematis, a cracker, I think. And I would finish with a couple of roses and um, this year, without doubt, the longest and latest flowering roses that flowered from May until November were Rose de Reche, which is a scented, quite discreet, small, bright pink, but really good even in a container, and Little White Pet, which is a white sort of button rose, which we have on our frames in the farmhouse garden. So all of those, so Jim, Totally Tangerine, the papava, orange feathers, and even the mechanopsis cambrica, euphorbia cracius varieties, Madame Julia Coraval clematis, and rose de Reche and little white pet. Those would be really wonderful things. Yeah, yeah. We, could, we could go on for so long naming our favourite plants, couldn't we? We could. Maybe we should do a podcast episode, Josie, actually. Our favourites. Yeah, well, the longest sort of, you know, the things, if you've got a tiny garden, I think it's a really good idea, actually. Yes, Let's do yeah. that. In the, yeah, I like that. In the next, yeah, okay. And then the next question is, is for both of us really, but I can lead on this, is how do we put collections together here? Any advice for customers doing it on their own? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so I'm obsessed by colour. And so in the garden here, we divide everything into one of four palettes. So there's the dark and rich, which is the crimsons, mahoganies, deep purples, deep blues, sort of cobalt blues. The next are the boiled sweets, which are the stained glass colors. So literally like a pack of boiled sweets in an old-fashioned sweetie shop. So orange, pink, so sort of cherry or raspberry, citrus, so lemon, lime, 
and then blue blueberries um, and perhaps a black currant, but really sort of radiant purple rather than a deep purple. The, th- the third palette is soft and warm, which are what I call the cashmere jersey colors, which are mainly whites, but with a dab of the warm colors mixed in. So you have milky coffee color, cafe au lait, or you have a sort of peachy. So they're all based on white, but they've got, or a really lovely warm yellow, you know, almost like you would get with an apricot. And so that's the third. And the fourth is, again, predominantly white, but with daubs of the cool colors. So purple, is, it makes a mauve. And then pinks, the cooler, grayer pinks, all the way down to the pure, quite cool whites. And also in there as well is the cool yellows, so like primroses and stuff. So that's the first thing I would do is I divide the plants that we're going to grow into their palettes. And then I think I'm going to choose the dominant flower, the biggest, most showy, most spectacular, most fabulous flower, which is what I call my bride. Then I back her up with the same matching color, but smaller flower, which backs her up and doesn't compete with her, which is called the bridesmaid. And then finally, I add a good zap of contrast, which I call my gate crasher. And that is just a scattering of that. And it's like a squeeze of lemon over smoked salmon. So you've got your rich colors, perhaps, from your dark rich palette. And then you've got a squeeze of citrus over it as the gate crasher. So bride, bridesmaid, gate crasher. And in a container collection or in a hand-tied bunch, I would do predominant. So let's say nine stems of the bride, seven perhaps of the bridesmaid, and only five of the gate crasher. And then finally, if we're talking about container growing, there's another sort of third layer in terms of design. Yeah, another rule, which is (laughs) look at the habit. Look at the habit. So again, bride is what we call our thriller. And then scattered in between that is something we call our filler. So like if it's a dahlia, like Josie Dahlia, we would often grow that with a wonderful grass called Panicum Frosted Explosion. And then if it's a big pot, we grow a climber for the middle, something tall or something tall and upstanding, even without a frame. And we use a lot of hibiscus mahogany as our pillar or lots of our tender perennial climbers like the Tumbergias as our pillar. And then finally, cascading down the side of the pot, particularly if it's a table center pot or if it's a huge terracotta, to break up the mass of terracotta or zinc, we use what we call a spiller, and that's a cascading plant at the side of the pot. So you've got thriller, filler in between, pillar goes up and spiller comes down. And if you overlay bride, bridesmaid, gate crasher, thriller, filler, spiller, pillar, you've got a cracking container collection. Yes, spectacular for the spiller in pots is calibracoas and petunias. They look great spilling over the edge with, you know, especially with dahlias and the grasses. Yeah, absolutely. You're right. I didn't mention species choices. Petunias, uh, yeah, as you say, uh, my favourite of all of them is tidal wave red velour, which I love, but it is a strong grower. So that's it for our February questions. I hope that you found those helpful. 